Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, Bay Area and Cal Bear fans? We're back on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network in Northern California. Back with you on Believe and Cal Bears. That's right, the golden bear necessity. K. Riley, how you doing? Doing great. Another week of football, and it looks like we are this much closer to some Pac-12 football. So it couldn't be better. How you doing? I'm doing okay, man. It seems like we are getting the positive news that we as Pac-12 and Golden Bear fans are looking for. We're heading in the right direction. I don't want to sound like a broken record repeating it, but I think we, we have some more positive news that we're both looking forward to share. And yeah, it looks like we're closer than ever to getting our Pac-12 football back. Absolutely. And there's some good football and some good bets this week as well. Yeah. How'd you do this weekend with some of your picks? Uh, steal of the week was uh, Niners beating the Jets. The Jets just looked like a bad football team, and I saw the line was seven, so I was all over that. And then uh, the tough one was uh, Buffalo-Miami, and uh, Miami getting that last-second touchdown when they were down 11. That one hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'll Yourself? Both those impressive picks. Me, I wasn't so lucky this week. Uh, can't can't win it every week, unfortunately. This week, I did not do so well. Still a little sore about it. Don't really want to talk about it yet. But folks, if you're like me and you missed out on the betting action this week, don't worry about it. There's always next week. And where we want to send you is betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there was always the online casino as well. It never closes never closes and this week we have finally some conference football games so be ready and make some good picks some good football coming up that's right so head to bet online ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today all right so since we last talked the big 10 it looks like they've got their full clearance they are good to go and it looks like they're really hitting the ground running i think they're Talking about getting their first game by the last week of the month, I believe. Yep. Yeah, they, they came out with that. And the one thing that changes with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is that the Big Ten have already been working out as teams together, where a lot of the Pac-12 teams haven't. So I think that's the biggest difference in starting. And the funny thing is with Nebraska pushing the Big Ten return so badly, they get paired up with Ohio State the first game, and they're already complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they felt they got the short end of the stick there. But it's funny, okay. as you told me, the or I think it's kind of a common saying they have around there. The largest town in Nebraska is Cornhusker Stadium on game day. It is, yeah. I think uh, in Lincoln when the, when the stadium right. is full. I don't know if that's true, but that's what even Nebraska people say. So You could say that. I'm sure they don't have too many towns <laughs> in the state that is upwards of 50, 60, 70,000, whatever the stadium holds. It's a pretty cool claim to fame. 90, there, so. I think it's an 88 or 94,000 seats. Then, then I'm going to say there's a, a solid <laughs> chance that that's a true fact. Yeah, cool environment there. I think, uh, you know, if people ever get a chance, if Cal gets a game there, it's one of those ones that uh, it's definitely worth it in an old uh, blue blood. They haven't been great the last few years, but, you know, they had those teams in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, man, guys like Ronnie Lott, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Our current coach, you know, had all those quarterback running the option the whole time. Right, yeah. Initially, that's what I thought I was, but I'm not very fast, so. (laughs) You know. It looks like maybe you as well could be one of those guys who necessarily doesn't 
look fast on game tape. But if you look at the yardage markers, you know, you're covering ground. So, you know, sometimes yeah. looking fast is uh, overrated. <laughs> overrated. Correct. So where we are in the Pac-12, I know we were supposed to have a vote last Friday. It looks like at that vote with the collective group of chancellors and athletic directors and presidents from the respective universities, they elected to prolong the vote to this Thursday. So in a couple days from now, they should have that official vote of when their starting date will be. That way they can get this six-week period that they would like to get everything in order, get all the testing facilities, get everybody trained and how to operate the testing facilities and get these kids practicing. Yeah, and it, all signs are looking very positive. Um, you know, Governor Newsom came out and said that the current restrictions shouldn't count against the schools. I know LA County cleared it. Um, I believe Alameda County cleared it um, in Santa Clara as well. Um, I have heard there's something that with Stanford that's ongoing um, and that might be part of the holdup. I don't know if that's true. It's just a little rumor out there. And I heard the Pac-12 would move forward with football if Stanford uh, wasn't going to be able to play. But if they are, I hope they are because we can beat the hell out of them again. So that right. we, we, we need that next. Yeah. Um, but no, I think um, it's looking positive. And then the other part of the Pac-12 is getting the kids acclimated. They're going to need practice time. They didn't have spring ball. They haven't had fall camp. So if you're truly worrying about the like the kids' safety, they need to have some preparation for the season. And uh, late October looks like it would be an option. Um, I'm but I'm going to say more uh, early November. Yeah, it's actually very well said about them having the adequate time to prepare for the season being very essential to player safety because this is actually going to be a theme we'll touch on later in the show. In the NFL this week, we saw a lot of injuries. I want to say I heard it was seven ACLs of notable players that went down, among other injuries. So definitely a theme we can touch on later in the show. But back to the Pac-12 real quick. I think we as Pac-12 fans are mostly just hoping we can get this whole thing situated in time for us to be considered for the college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with most of the conferences already, you know, ACC playing conference games and then Big 12 starting this week, SEC doing just conference only schedule starting this week. Um, there's some good games uh, this week as well, which people should get excited for. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what the Pac-12 can do. Hopefully they can um, step up and figure out some things to give the kids some possibilities of some postseason games um, instead of just a little conference schedule. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. In a little bit of more dismal NCAA news at the moment, it does seem Notre Dame and Wake Forest will have to cancel their upcoming game this weekend after it was, I believe, four of the players had tested positive on Notre Dame. And they as well had to sit out an additional, I want to say, seven that had been in contact with those four. But it does look like they got to it quickly and then that the 11 or so total players have been quarantined. And it seems they acted on it in a very timely manner. Yeah, and you've, you've seen that with a few games this year. I know the BYU game was canceled because they had some guys as well. So people are taking the precaution and restrictions as good as they can. Um, and I think you're going to see that ongoing in the season, uh, especially with you know the SEC schools already coming out saying they've had 70, 80-plus people on the team you know, test positive over the last few months. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, and I think everybody's taking the right steps and, and – you know, they're putting them in quarantine and who they've been in contact with, and you're going to continue to see that. Sure. Certainly a fluid situation, but it is good to at least see them being proactive and making the necessary moves at the right time. 
But let's get into some of this week three action around NCAA football. Let's shout out some scores here, you. So first, the games we had Tulsa traveling to number 11, Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, the Cowboys rolled 16 to 7. And then let's see, going down, we had number 13, Cincinnati, 55 over Austin Pay, 20. Very big. Yeah, yeah. Cincinnati has been just a good football team for a number of years. Um, always have good talent. Um, you know, they're kind of like a Boise State out there, but I think their talent-wise is probably superior to Boise. I think Boise has some kids, but they get a few more um, over there. And then that Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State rolled, but they struggled a little bit. I know their quarterback went out. And their uh, backup struggled, and they actually put in the freshman, and he played well. Um, and, uh, you know, you, when you see Oklahoma State play Tulsa, you're usually expecting something like 50 to 14 or something like that. So sure. something to keep an eye on if uh, the short season with them has struggled to have their offense clicking. Right. As we uh, did mention Notre Dame earlier, before they had that news when they played last week against South Florida, they won, and they won big. Number seven, Notre Dame, 52-0 to zero over mm-hmm. South Florida. Just like, uh, you know, last week, just talent. And they're kind of becoming, and they have like the last few years, but they're a bruising football team, you know. They want to run the ball, um, and they did. I mean, I think the guy had like 13 carries for 140, and the quarterback was like 12 for 19 for 140 something. But uh, yeah, they're a bruising team, and their defense is, uh, I think their defense is pretty solid. So we'll see when they get a little more high powered offensive team. Um, Duke struggled this week uh, against Boston College with uh, Calvera, Luke Beckett, who transferred there because uh, he was going to lose football in the fall. Um, and he started in week one, which is great for him. And, uh, yeah, but Boston College put it to Duke pretty good. So I think uh, we need to see Notre Dame, Notre Dame play a team. Right. I think through the – through, you know, they'll, they'll go through their test of the gauntlet. But, uh, yeah, it looks like they are definitely operating at a high gear thus far. As well, we had number one Clemson. No surprise here, 49-0 over Citadel. Yeah, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence was eight for nine with three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good oh, for him. What is that like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> imagine that eight for nine. Yeah, three tugs. Exactly. Yeah, good day at the office if you can save your pitch count by all means. Exactly, and getting three touchdowns and nine passes is yeah. tremendous. So good for him. Yeah, I guess that's what they call efficiency. Mm-hmm. But I think we could all say the game of the week around NCAA football this week was a little bit of ACC action. We had uh, number seven Miami travel to number 18 Louisville. Great football game. Uh, That was the first college football game um, that I think was exciting to watch. And, you know, you had two good football teams and Miami making a little resurgence at times you always think they're back, but they, uh, they hired a new offense coordinator named uh, Rhett Lashley, who actually was from SMU with Sonny Dykes. And uh, the offense looked great. Um, was clicking well at a good balance of run and pass. Like they did the first week, they ran the ball for 300 plus yards. And this week they threw a little bit more, but um, I think this is an offense to, you know, keep an eye on and uh, a coordinator who, who is mid thirties for a possible head coaching job coming up. And uh, he's under the uh, Gus Malzahn and a little bit of Sonny Dykes, uh, you know, air raid, but kind of gives what the defense will take him a little Malzahn ish where he'll run the same play 10 times in a row if they're not stopping it or adjusting. So uh, Miami's a good football team. It'd be interesting to see them against Clemson and things like that. And, and if they can compete. Sure. Yeah, really excited to see the Hurricanes run the gauntlet. They did look very impressive against Louisville. As you were saying, 
the offense just it was definitely jumping off the screen. I think their quarterback King threw for over 303 scores. Their running back Cameron Harris for on nine carries he had 134 yards. So that says a lot right there. And I believe also their wide receiver Jordan went over 100 yards on the game as well. So yeah, yeah definitely looks like a explosive offense at Miami. Louisville's offense actually looked rather good. The game only ended up being a one-score game. It pretty much came down to the wire although it seemed Miami was always just about a score ahead, but it was really fun just to see them going back and forth trading touchdowns. It did, yeah. It uh, it got to that Big 12-looking football uh, towards the end of the game where it was touchdown, 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 just through the, through the game. But uh, Miami got that good start, and that kind of propelled them to the win, and they continued and looked dominant. So Definitely two programs excited to – monitor the season but at the moment we'll hop over to some NFL action and being that the majority of our listeners are still fans of teams based in the Bay Area which means we do have some Raider fans still listening how about it Kev did you catch Monday Night Football last night catch any of the Raiders I did um impressive football game by the Raiders they just look like a good team ran the ball very well and you know as you mentioned last week uh, their O-line is yeah, one of the one of the tops in the in the league for sure. You saw the Saints' strong D line struggle a little bit. Or my favorite, Cam Jordan had a you know didn't have a terrible game, but he had a rough game. Uh, yeah, that horse collar penalty was a I think was a bad call. I mean, he touched it, but he let go of it. But it, yeah, it didn't seem egregious. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just but you know it's a, I don't think that was a game up to Cam standards, and I think part of that was the the game plan of the Raiders and the offense of the players that they have. Yeah, it did look like their O line really was getting after it. I know the Raiders had Incognito go down early, but it still seemed like their O line really didn't miss a beat. They mixed the running backs in very go- well with Jacobs having his game, and then I saw a little bit of Jalen Richard in there too, making some big plays. I think he got in for a score. And then Carr as well, who was for the second week in a row, he was fairly accurate. Yeah, fairly accurate. And yeah, he's got some players as well. That tight end. <laughs> yeah, Waller's Waller. stud. Man, that guy moves People like didn't a know receiver. about him. They know now. And I <laughs> figure he's, he's building a following because he had a pretty solid year last year. But this year on Monday night, the opening of Allegiant Stadiums, you know, you can't say all the Raider royalty were in the building because, well, there wasn't really anybody in the building. But, yeah, that's a really, really good performance for him to have, especially on that stage, and all in a win. Yeah, and that stadium is going to be incredible when there's some fans in there. It looked like uh, just uh, – I saw it when it was in building. It just looks fantastic, and you're going to get Vegas atmosphere in there. It's going to be a fun time, and hopefully the Pac-12 can get some conference championships there and other things like that. It'll be, be a fun trip. Definitely. I think it's going to be a really quality West Coast venue – for now and for the future again once we can get fans back in these places i did pass it on the freeway when i was in las vegas a few months back and it, it really it's an it's a nice looking building the way it sits there it actually kind of reminds me of not necessarily in the aesthetics of the building but the way it sits next to the freeway is the same way that oracle arena sits next to uh, 880 in the bay area it just kind of like looms but yeah the way the sun hits the black building it's a really cool yeah, nice piece of modern work and um, a lot for the Raiders to be excited about. It fits the uh, Vegas vibe where, you know, like I said, you get that light reflection and it's just bold and it sticks out in the desert. It's, it's a it's it's definitely going to be one of the top venues in the NFL. Yeah. And it kind of now is the 
foot of the strip now it's that it's in front of mandalay bay it's mm -hmm. like that's where the strip starts now it's kind of like an added piece to it mm -hmm. so exactly. yeah a lot for the raiders to be excited about their season seems to only be getting brighter by the week so yeah we will keep our eye on the las vegas raiders absolutely let's uh flip over to the 49ers now who did get a win in one that may not feel like a win at all did you catch any of the game uh just caught a little bit of the game but saw the aftermath and you know losing two guys for the season um bosa being one of the top player young players in the nfl it's gonna be extremely like that's obviously not gonna help their defense at all and then uh, the running back i know he got hurt i think it was an mcl so we'll see his timetable for return but he should be back this year and i think jimmy was a high ankle sprain yeah i did and see jimmy was high ankle you never know what those um I think it's something that you could possibly play next week or, you know, they take a couple of weeks off and let it recover a little bit. So it doesn't get worse. Um, yeah. High ankle pain and sprain suck, depending if you got a little ligament damage in there, you know, sometimes breaking your ankle is almost better, but uh, right. we'll, we'll see, you know, he could probably get a, get a shot and super tape it up and possibly play. I think, yeah. You yeah. see that happen, but we'll see, we'll see how the Niners take it. It's early enough in the year, and if their schedule looks good, I think they'll let them rest a couple weeks. Certainly, I think for the 49ers, it was really not. I'm, there's really no one thing you can't say about it. I know they're alleging that there were some issues with the turf. I don't think either one of us are in any position to say there's validity to that statement or not. I think we'll find out a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. The Niners, lucky that they were playing a team like the Jets, who are in a bit of a rebuilding phase or identity searching phase. The Niners seem to have a little bit of a slow start. Garoppolo did look a little disgruntled even before kind of that injury sustained. But then mm -hmm. it seemed the drive after he took that hit is when he got a little more precise on his passes. So I don't know if that kind of woke him up, also causing him ailment to his leg. But he did look a little bit sharper after that. The Niners offensive line, they were getting after it all day in their zone blocking scheme. I think they looked really good there. And the defense was next man up all day because it seemed like for a while there, somebody else was going down every single play. But they did get out of New York with the win. I shouldn't say get out of New York because they're staying in New York because who do they have next week? None other than the New York football giants. And they're going to hit that turf one more time. So definitely something to keep an eye on. It will. Yeah, you, you heard the announcers talk about after the first person went down that there were some complaints about the turf last week. And uh, I know when you get a, a new type of field turf, it's always a different feel. Um, you know, they may have changed, you know, when they went from the black pellets to the cork. It was a different feel. They had longer turf, shorter turf, um, and like the first few field turf companies. Uh, so there's definitely a different feel to it. Um, some feel softer and everything like that. So that may have been part of it. And uh, we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. I don't think they're addressing it right now. But if there's a few more, they would definitely take a look at it. Now, Kay Riley, in your playing days, did you have a preferable playing surface? Did you like natural grass? Did you like a certain kind of artificial turf? I loved uh, natural grass. I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, we had the L.A. schools and the Arizona schools with natural grass. Arizona State was by far the best field in the Pac-12. I mean, it was like a you're playing on like a putting green. It was just so short. You felt so fast on it. It was always Manicured. perfect. Yeah, it was perfect because they only played games there. They didn't practice there. Um uh, USC got beat up a little bit because I think they're you know they do extra events there um, towards sure. the end of the year. UCLA is pretty nice. Um, Stanford's natural grass, which is great, um, but 
uh, they let a little rain and I think they even try and slow it down for a long time there. They didn't have the most athletic team, so they would raise the grass a little bit and try and slow some teams down. All good venues. Yeah. All good venues here on the West coast. We are lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Turf's great though. I mean, if you get, there's the, like I talked about, you had the two different types of turf. You had the short field turf, which I always enjoyed more, but uh, Washington state had some longer field turf. Um, you know, they wanted to make you feel a little bit more like grass, but you felt a little bit slower. Like I said, it was a little softer. Yeah, way out in Pullman. In the way Arctic out in tundra. Pullman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was an interesting trip. You actually flew into Idaho because the Pullman airport wasn't large enough. At least that's what they said. And then you'd have to drive into Pullman from there. But it's pretty land out there, and their fans are passionate. And if people have never been out there for a game, um, you know, I recommend it. You know, just be careful with the Pullman <laughs> at yeah. night and during the day their fans can get a little crazy but um yeah big big football uh, fans out there it is officially on my to-do list mm-hmm. so let's let's go on down the list sunday night football did you see russ and cam go head to head Woof! great great football um, i'll say really good quarterback play too very good uh, russ uh every time you watch russ you're like oh man you know i'm like like they mentioned on the TV that like he never had an MVP vote. I think everybody knows he's MVP caliber, oh, yeah. uh, especially after the Super Bowl years where they lost some talent and he kind of carried them uh, really with like yeah. some of his gameplay. And he did what he does. Um, very impressed with Cam Newton. Always bl- liked Cam. Always thought he was a great football player, um, good quarterback. And, you know, people always say like even like during his good years, they would talk about uh, he's you know he's a running quarterback, but he's he's always throwing the ball well, especially short and intermediate, and um, and he threw it deep well. So it looks like he's been working on his throwing a little bit after his shoulder surgery, and maybe the time off actually helped him. But he looked great throwing the ball, and he's such a force running. I was a I read a stat I think that was a, that last play it was the first time I think in Cam's history that he's been stopped on like a one yard or less play for a run. So right, that play there to end the game at the goal line, which as you said is is almost I'm sure a ninety nine point nine percent conversion yeah. rate. But I guess there was the point zero one. Yeah. I mean they're gonna be a team to watch. Um Seahawks look good as well. I don't think the Seahawks defense is great. They have no pass rush at all. Um I think that's something you could see and then Irvin went out who's probably their best rusher. Um mm-hmm. And uh, so that's something to look, I mean, we'll see, because uh, I know the Patriots lost a few linemen um, last year, and I think they lost a guy during the game as well. So once they're, you know, if they're playing someone like the Chargers or something like that, I think it's going to be a completely different um, game for them offensively. So. Yeah, definitely. I did notice, um, I do want to give Cam his props in a second here, but he did have, look like a ton of time to throw all night, whether he wanted to roll in the pocket or many times he just stood up right there and delivered. But back to Cam's credit, I think he played very well for the amount of time that he missed. And he looked dynamic again last night. There were times where he was definitely not a guy you wanted to get in front of and try to tackle. I know he's still measured at 6'5", I'm sure 250. And there was time he, he definitely had some bursts in his acceleration of running. And times he looked great throwing the ball. So really, really good to see him back. I think it's, it's good for the NFL when Cam Newton's doing well. But I will say this. I don't think anybody in the NFL is more dialed in than Russell Wilson right now. Just the the throws I saw him make last week and this week, and just the level of difficulty on some of these throws, and he's serving it up right there. I'm on the and I am by no means a Seahawks fan, 
but I'm on the early Russell Wilson MVP campaign. We'll see how it goes from here. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that's some of the throws he makes. I don't think people can like tell the difficulty of those. I mean, putting that much loft on your throw and you're throwing truly to a spot. I mean, that takes precision. And, and kind of like I was talking about Aaron last week, just being so dialed in, that's that type of throws i mean there's it's extremely hard to make especially when you're getting man getting bump off of him you're just putting in a spot and it's perked um he is he's dialed in and i think he's going to be continued to be dialed in it doesn't look like he's going to slow down at all he's got better weapons this year um to throw to and the line was blocking a little bit better um so i think seahawks i, I like their play calling as well so that's another thing too they Definitely. they've always been um, a run team, which are still going to continue to try to be, but they've opened it up and let Russ run the offense finally, instead of you know letting him throw like twenty-two times a game or something like that. Right. It's going to, I think, you're going to see it more like 35-40, and you could just see how much more dynamic they are when the ball's in his hand every play. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to be strong throughout the entire year. I agree with you too. They definitely have to improve on their pass rush, but yeah, it looks like they're going to have all the makings again to make a legitimate run. We will definitely keep an eye on them in the western divisions but how about now we switch over to our segment hashtag pro bears where we see how our beloved cal alum did this week last week we started with the offense because you and i are both offensive guys this week we'll give the defense a little love we'll start there so in one of the first games we were talking about new orleans defensive end cam jordan five tackles however none for a loss this week he did look like he didn't have his best game for a cam jordan standards yeah, and you know, I think that's sometimes a game plan against a guy, and Cam's a guy you game plan against. And I just think, yeah, you know, he just didn't have his best game. Missed. He got close on a few, um, but it was just just one of those games, and never could get in a groove. And uh, you know, still as a DN, you know, making five tackles is still a you know, impressive stat on its own. I think you look at other D linemen across the league; they get two, three, and things sure. like that. So, um, you know, that just shows you the caliber of Cam as a player. Yeah, many guys would go out with their head high after a five tackle night. So <laughs> definitely uh, <laughs> yeah. no slouch. Yeah. Right, move down here, Pittsburgh defensive end Tyson Alu Alu, five tackles, two for a loss with a sack. Yes, um, you know it's a guy we didn't get to talk about last week, but Tyson was another uh, teammate I had for every uh, year he was at Cal, and uh, just another. Uh, I say everybody's an amazing teammate, but I guess I had a lot of amazing teammates during that time. But just great, great family man, great teammate, and uh, it's good to see uh, him get some playing time. And I know he started, uh, but he was on the field more on third down than he usually is and in more like pass rush situations. So maybe he worked on that a little bit during the off season, but he looks great. Um, Tyson was always just like one of those humans that was so strong, but uh, he, he was moving well and, you know, they gave him a couple of one-on-ones that he won. So it was, it was great to see. Yeah. We're really excited to watch him work this year. Cause it looks like he's going to be featured in the Pittsburgh defense a lot more this year. And you just mentioned to it there as him being one of the strongest players you've met. He, he just looks like absurdly stout. Like he just looks like a problem for any offensive line. Yeah. You know, Kim and Cam are actually pretty similar size. Cam, like straightaway speed moves better uh, than Tyson. But uh, they're both like 6'3", um, maybe 6'4", but, but, you know, and then they're like the 290 Stallion. and just, just bricks. So I know uh, there's a couple reports early on uh, that, you know, Tyson's looking like all pro for uh, 
through his first two games and you know i'd say he'd had a above average nfl career but to be all pro i think he's the same age as me at 33 that's very impressive so hopefully he keeps it up i'm right there rooting for him so yeah. let's go new york jets safety ashton davis doesn't get in on defense but he returns a kick early for 27 yards and a loss to san francisco yeah i think uh you know, keep on doing what we can do on special teams. He'll probably break one of those even more. I mean, 27-yard return is pretty nice in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he'll get a big one. But I think if he just keeps on learning the playbooks and um, continues to work, he's slowly going to get more reps on defense and show what he can do, especially yeah, if they struggle. So we'll see. I mean, if they play like they're playing right now, I don't, I don't know how long we'll keep that coach. Um, yeah, the, the Jets. Um, yeah, it's a Gase, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's – in the NFL, you could tell usually when a team's not in it um, and things like that because you have so much talent on every single roster. Um, you should never look completely outclassed. And, you know, at times, obviously, they compete, but they look outclassed uh, in the game so far. Yeah, despite all the issues the 49ers had in that game, it seemed like they were never in jeopardy of losing that game. So, yeah, lots to figure out for the Jets. But as you were saying, maybe that means we see Ashton Davis get a bit more work. We'll see Absolutely. going forward. Yeah. Moving on, our last defensive name, Washington football team head coach, Ron Rivera. Unfortunately, Washington gets doubled up in the desert, losing to Kyler in the cards, 30-15. to 15. Yeah, it started the same way they did last week, um, but they were just playing a better football team this week. And they, uh, you know, they tried to fight back, and they got down the field a lot in the second half. Um, but Kyler Murray and the Cardinals look very good. They've got a lot of talent on that team. Oh, Once again with Hopkins. Oh, yeah. Once again with Hopkins, I think he just broke the record for Cardinals in terms of most catches through two games, and they have one of the best receivers yeah. of all time with Larry Fitzgerald. And Very impressive. Yeah, yeah they're good. Um, you know, hopefully they can come out and play better in the first two quarters, and I think we'll, we'll see what Washington can do. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely moving forward. We addressed this last week, just in all the different areas they're attempting to move forward to. We wish that franchise the best, but, of course – Always rooting for Riverboat Ron. No, always rooting for Riverboat, for sure. Gotta and get... he seems like a really fun guy to gamble with. So if we can organize something like that, if, if he has a good connect on Riverboats, I'm all for it. it again, I know it's not, maybe not the season, but something we can possibly revisit in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a buddy when I was living in the city um, who had a Riverboat shirt for the Panthers. He grew up in Carolina. I was like, hey, I know him. It's, it's pretty cool. So we got to get some Riverboat shirts and start wearing yeah, them. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into some gear. So actually, that's a really good point. Let's <laughs> go ahead now, flip over to the offensive side of the ball for our Bears in the NFL, hashtag Pro Bears. We'll start with who I thought performed the best, L.A. Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, 20 of 27, 267 yards, three touchdowns, all to Tyler Higby in a big win in Philadelphia, 37-19. Yeah, dominant. Um, 13 straight completions, best in the NFL so far this year. Jared looks dialed in. Like we talked about last week, he looks good. Um, I think the play coin's good. Uh, looks a little bit more like they did as a team on offense two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. And um, obviously don't have the running back early, doing early things like he did early in that year and the year previously, but Jared looks good. So hopefully he can keep it up and, uh, and yeah, this just impressive game. He just, you know, looks dialed in to reading the defense well, making good throws and uh, Higby 
is going to be a weapon. I mean, three touchdowns to anybody is impressive. So let's continue to watch that relationship grow. Absolutely. I think, as you said, Goff is looking more like the Goff we saw two years ago and not the Goff we saw last year. And that rapport with his receiver seems to be back, too, with guys like Higby, with guys like Cup, with guys like Robert Woods. So, yeah, the Rams, I think, are going to be very, very strong this year. I think the NFC West is ultimately going to be the strongest division in football. But it'll be really fun to watch those four teams slug it out. Yeah, um, going to be a great game. Um, the Rams are at the Bills on Sunday, both undefeated, and Josh Allen looks really good uh, as well. So that will be a very entertaining game to watch. It's a 10 a.m. game, West Coast time. That's definitely one I'll have my eye on. If the, Let's go moving the, on. The line's Buffalo, too, if anybody's interested in that. Buffalo, too? Yeah. Buffalo's like um, just regular 2-0, not even 2.5? I kind of like yeah, that. just regular two zero. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So well, get it in now. Want to keep your eye on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before the line moves. Yeah. So we'll go to the other quarterback, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, eighteen of thirty, two forty, two touchdowns. Continues his Ford Field dominance. Not quite as well as he played last week, but good enough to win. And I think the offense put up forty-two points. So. Yes, and. Uh, the running back went off, um, but Aaron played another solid game, and you can counter that with your running back getting 200 total yards. Uh, you're going to win games. And they started down bit, uh, 14-3 or something like that in the game as yeah, well. Yeah, they were down so, early. Yeah, and um, you know, this, they, they just look like a good football team right now. Their defense stepped up after a poor start, and their offense you know, looks like it's clicking, running the ball, throwing the ball. And they're gonna they're gonna be a tough out. I think you know it's what a quiet NFC Championship team last year. Um, no one even talks about them. And like you know, Aaron has that chip on his shoulder after going to the NFC Championship. So I think they're gonna be good. Um, I mean, I, I, obviously they're good, but you know they're Super Bowl contenders. And Aaron Aaron looks great. So we'll, yeah, an angry you know. Aaron Rodgers is a scary Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know the first week with him going off on the Vikings, the Vikings are struggling they don't look like the vikings um no it seemed like they had a pretty poor f- performance again this past week yeah uh cousins had a, a rough game and anytime that happens with a quarterback when you're struggling that much and you can't run the ball at all uh games can get ugly quick but the biggest thing is their defense uh just doesn't look like it has the last few years so we'll see if they can turn it Agreed. around um because they were such a solid team for so many years but yeah right i think they, a lot of people still like them to maybe take the division back this year. Personally, I think I like the Packers a little bit better, but it's another division that should be fairly competitive. Yes, absolutely. Um, I th- you got to go with the Packers so far. I think they're the best team in that conference. The Bears are 2-0, and but they're an ugly 2-0. and um, Sure. But I think they're a team that wins ugly. They kind of did yeah. that a couple years ago, so we'll see. But I think Packers are definitely the team to beat in that conference. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Also in that same Packers-Lions game, we had across the sideline, Detroit wide receiver Marvin Jones. Four catches, only 23 yards, but one of them for a score. Yeah, yeah, great touchdown. B- barely got across the line, but um, that's a good game. I mean, I think they uh, – I, I didn't get to see much of the second half. I saw early. I saw his touchdown. Um, but uh, I think it looks like, in general, the Packers' defense kind of shut down the Lions after the first quarter. Um and may just, yeah, one of those games where got some got some plays there, but couldn't get anything big. Maybe nothing was open downfield. Right. Yeah, it was nice effort for him to get that ball across the goal line on that one. It, it was barely across, but 
in the NFL barely is still six points. So, <laughs> yeah, just a true grit there by Jones. Yeah. Moving on, uh, Kansas City, right tackle, of course, your boy, Mitchell Schwartz. Second consecutive week, Mahomes only sacked one time. Overtime yeah. win for Kansas City after the uh, three consecutive field goals of over 50 yards by Butker, man. That was impressive. <sighs> That was so impressive. Um, you you got to feel good as a football team knowing your kicker can do that. Uh, yeah, that's reliability. Yeah, and the, the week after I say Mitch is a Hall of Famer, which he is, uh, I think that was one of those tougher games that he had um, in the last few years. Uh, Bosa gave him some problems. I think, you know, just sure. going up against a guy. I know he's gone up against him before, um, but I know Bosa had 90 sacks against um, that team since he started. But uh, he had – he, he had a pretty good game. He gave Mitch uh, some struggles on a few plays. Mitch did his job, kept him out, but uh, he, he won some battles there. Yeah, yeah, it looked like right that one was a little bit back and forth, but no shame at all in having some issues dealing with that. Uh, yeah, him almost and, called him San Diego. And with he, that Los Angeles Chargers defensive front, there is a lot of beef on that line, but Schwartz, he's a pro's pro. He handled himself, and Kansas City got away with a win. Yep. Yeah, they did. Um, Mahomes did Mahomes things at the end. Uh, Chiefs looked good, and and Chargers, as we talked about last week, I think their defense is the real deal. Um, after watching them, and uh, the surprise of the weekend was Herbert playing. I remember just seeing on TV. I'm yeah. like, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't hear anything about it until just seeing his stat line on the bottom line and not seeing anything for Taylor. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's like one of those things. Almost uh, that first game I played against Oregon State, where you go through warmups, and you know, like Coach Tedford came up to me in the locker room after warmups and was like, "Hey, you're playing." I'm like, "Whoa, um, all right." And I think they told Herbert like right before kickoff that he was starting, and he thought the coach was joking but um impressive game he looks good i mean a dumb pick but i think uh you know it's gonna happen for a rookie especially when you do that in college all the time and it works out but uh sure i mean he went toe-to-toe with the reigning champs and was very very close to getting a win if butker is not as reliable as a kicker as he is then the chargers likely do win because what was it he was first set up for 53 and then it looked like the Chargers tried to ice him, but it was actually a false start on Kansas City. So yeah. he makes that kick that he thought he was getting iced, but it was only a false start. Gets, put, gets pushed back to 58, gets iced, makes it, and then comes out for the real one, makes it. And all in a day's victory. Yeah, I heard someone say that should count as two game winners right there. Um, yeah, yeah, there's not a like ton of kickers. Top nerve. Yeah, you know. and they're all dead center, too. Those balls don't yeah. move. Um, they were all no doubters. Almost right right oh. when you saw that thing in the air, it, w- it wasn't really a question. Yeah, you see to see the Chargers players drop their heads instantly after that. And, you know, it's, uh, I think they had that a possession down in the red zone where they kind of looked out of funk. And I think that's the biggest thing. When you're a backup, you don't get those red zone practice plays. Um, so the OC probably didn't have a feel for Justin. And and you're not going to call the same plays as you do when you haven't practiced because goal line is that much tighter of a field. Um, and I don't think you saw one straight drop back really inside the five the whole uh, game for them. So you, if he gets a chance to play, which I heard the coach said he's going to go back with Tyrod. Um which will be interesting. I think the fan base will be a little upset about it, but if that's the way he feels, that's the way it's going to be. But I think the more reps he gets, the more comfortable um, he'll get. And he is a future of the Chargers football, and he looked poised enough, I think, to take over the team right now. And it's a perfect situation with no fans either. So, you know, He's going to be a lot more comfortable out there to get his practice in. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem, too, that popular opinion is 
leaning toward Herbert. Herbert, it's a guy you want to groom. It's a guy who looks like he showed us he can play now. So, as you're saying, it's kind of a different situation this year with nobody in the stands. Why not get him the reps that he needs and, you know, kind of fast track there. So, yeah, we will, like, you know, give him some love. He's a Pac-12 boy. Keep an eye on Herbert as well. Um, of course, in that game, they're with Herbert. He hit him seven times. Keenan Allen for 96 yards. He had a good game. He was actually one of the players that they kept showing on TV when Butker hit those field goals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Allen, he looked uh, he looked pretty upset after that one. Had a good day himself, though. Yeah, what a glorious beard Keenan has now, Yeah, that too. thing's he, looking good, man. Yeah, he was still a baby face when he came in. He didn't have any facial hair um, when I played with him. but uh, That's almost like a biblical beard <laughs> right now. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, Keenan looked great. Uh, moved well. Uh, that little seam pass on third down. Uh, it was a great throw by Herbert, but, I mean, it was a fantastic catch. Arms fully reached out, got hit really right before he got caught the ball, but that's just his can concentration right there, holding on to it. Um, looked good. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, where you also see Herbert, like in the arm talent, um, you know, you hope that they could do that with Tyrod, but I just think Keenan will have bigger games and things like that compared to his first game where he, he had what, 30 yards against the Bengals who. Yeah. Relatively the, quiet. The Browns is shredded. Um, right. So yeah, on Thursday, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it could be play coin. Chiefs defense wasn't ready for it, um, or it could just be you know a little bit of arm talent and anticipation on Herbert's part. He was always pretty good when he had time of reading the secondary. So, yeah. right, and a guy like Allen, he's never going to stay quiet for too long. God, yeah, no, not any news there. Yeah, he's top five. Yeah, yeah, always a guy I like to see. Always a guy. Make sure to get on your fantasy teams early. So we'll conclude today here on the Golden Bear Necessities by giving a shout-out to another alum. Running back C.J. Anderson retires. Originally a Vallejo guy out of Bethel High School before going on to Laney College, where he was an Eagle, then transferring to Cal Berkeley for a couple years, played in Super Bowl 50 and 53, in which he won the former. C.J. Anderson retires. Um. Tremendous career to C.J. Anderson. Uh, didn't get the chance to play with him. He came right after I left, but I remember uh, talking to the guys on the team, just saying they had a dog on the team, just just an absolute stud, and he showed that at Cal, and he showed it in the league. He had some tremendous years um, in the NFL, and uh, he was a staple for the Broncos and also when he went on the Rams, and uh, just fantastic year. It's a, you know, and he did a grind-it-out way. The J.C. life is it's tough you know, doing school and football and getting into Cal um, and then going to the league. I think, God, was he drafted or free agent? But I, I think I believe he went undrafted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he did it the ground it grinded out way and uh, just kudos to him. It's tremendous uh, mental fortitude and, and uh, you know, he had a great career. So congrats. Yeah, to you, extremely solid football player, guy that runs low, runs stout, just really dependable back. And that's why I think we saw so many teams have a need for him and yeah how cool is that man he got super bowl 50 that they won down in santa clara over the panthers yeah great career to cj anderson great career all right my man kevin i think this is a good time to conclude our second episode here on believe in cal bears football the golden bear necessities i think we got a good thing going here this is only going to get better as we further approach a season we're going to get some familiar names in here as well I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, we'll have a great, hopefully a great update for you guys next week. And everybody go Bears. Go Bears. Fans, we'll see you soon. Stay safe and make good bets.
Believe in Cal Football is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Northern California, and is available on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Believe in Cal Football is also brought to you by OS Day Bar, Cafe, and Rooftop, located downtown Oakland. And the QL Gaming Group. Check out their betting boards at betql.co. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.